0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today's message is called Making Peace with Authority. Just watch the news and hear it from some politicians. People in authority, especially our police departments, are being viewed in a negative light. Well, what's God's vision for authority, and how can it bring life to us and those we care about? A proper relationship to authority is essential for life and faith. This series is called The Letter. Grab a Bible. It's time for Real Life Radio.
0: I am very disturbed by what has happened in the wake of Ferguson and other instances to the legitimacy of the police force. There is something very dark and insidious that is spreading. And it is this view of all police as illegitimate authority. Can you stop and imagine the consequence of that trend? And please understand, I think if a policeman with a proper legal process is found to be guilty of abusing his power, using deadly force, in any way that is inappropriate or wrong, I think that police officer should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. I don't care if it's because of race motive. I don't care if it's because of greed. I don't care. Whatever he is using that and he is hurting people, using his authority wrong, he should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Scripture says to whom much is given, much should be required. We give a great deal of authority to police officers. They should be held to a higher standard in the use of that authority. I get it. That being said... What's happening where the media are highlighting these racially motivated incidences, these few racially motivated incidences, and young people are beginning to get the view that that's all that police are. They're not actually thinking about the process in a holistic way. They're taking this, and all of a sudden, you have people legitimately saying, well, I don't have to listen to the police. They're just a bunch of thugs. That's the natural process of what they're seeing in this barrage. Do you really want a world where police start saying, I'm not going to get involved in that because I don't want to be on the news. I don't want my family on the news. I'm going to step back and I'm not going to be involved. Do you really want that? Not if it's my family who's being broken into. My home and my family that's at risk because we're being broken into. It's a simple idea. Authority matters. And I think unjust authority, I think it, it, police officers who are bad and are in the wrong, they need to be pr- prosecuted appropriately by the legal process. I'm sorry. These politicians, our president included, who will throw a police officer under the bus before there's been a trial or an investigation. That is wrong. I'm sorry. I just—I I think that is undermining the very authority we, that those leaders have sworn to uphold. And it's so important. The Apostle Paul's not playing when it comes to authority. It's a big deal, it's part of God's design. You can't have order without it. In fact, if you're taking notes, please write this down. Here's the main point Leaders are the visible representation of God's authority to God's people. That's what Paul's telling us. He's saying leaders are the visible representation of God's authority to God's people. Now, he's obvious in Romans 13, he's talking about civil authorities. makes it very clear, the sword, the whole thing. But what does that have to do with Paul's authority expressed to Philemon? How does that fit into this? Well, the Bible addresses three areas or arenas, if you will, of authority. One is family. Okay? And Ephesians 5 and 6 talks about family authority. And we've got to be raised in authority. That's where children are raised. In fact, we're going to do a series in, in September, start a series on family. It's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. It is imperative that from the very earliest ages in a family young children learn authority and they learn that they are not god you know grandparents will totally mess up a kid's head and i'm one of them you know because we just they're the center of the universe they're the golden child i know that right but at some point they get to oh, yeah and it's usually when they get old enough to kind of form their first little word no and they look at you and now it's like okay i need to let you know you're not god you're not the authority. You're adorable, but you're not smart enough yet to have any authority. So No, you've got to be under authority, and they need to be taught proper order. And the, the Bible talks about authority being taught in the social structure we call the family. It's very important. Well, obviously, governmental authority, we just read about that. Romans chapter uh, 13, first uh, Peter chapter 2 talks about it. But there's a third that the Bible talks about, and that is church or spiritual authority. That's what Paul is really exercising to Philemon. Spiritual authority. Matthew 28, 18, here's the picture of how spiritual authority works. Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he sent them out on what we call the Great Commission. He says, go in that authority. He gives that to them. Jesus has three direct agents for his spiritual authority. Did you know that? Biblically, three direct agents that are empowered to carry his spiritual authority, that we read that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. The first agent is the Holy Spirit. Seems kind of obvious, but it's important to say, Romans eight fourteen. for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. His Spirit, we understand, when we become followers of Jesus, his Spirit comes in us, and this, this journey of discipleship is learning to respond and follow his Spirit. That's how it works. You know, we talked about those little crossroads we come to where the flesh says one way, the spirit says the other, and to the degree that we obey and follow the spirit, we experience the abundant life Christ designed us for. To the the extent that we disobey and follow our flesh, we get the consequences of the flesh, which are not good. So the spirit is one. The second is the word, the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's what the Scripture is for. It is authoritative. That's why we read so much Scripture in our messages. That's why we, in our community groups, we are all about helping each other live out the Word. That's why we have a Bible reading plan on our, our website, reallife.org. Because the Scripture is God's Word to us, and as such, it is authoritative for all matters of life and conduct for the follower of Jesus Christ. But the third area... So we got the Spirit, we got the Word. The third area is church leadership. (coughs) Church leadership, Hebrews 13. I'm going to read 7 and 8 and then skip down to 17. The writer says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 17, he says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. We don't have any problem with the first two, right? If I say to you, obey the Spirit, you're like, yeah, no, that's so good, Sean. Preach it. That's good. Mm. If I say to you, obey the Word, you're like, mm, now we're getting down some good preaching, Sean. Get on it. Get it. When I say to you, obey your leaders, and in the context of spiritual leaders, you're like, what? They're people. No, 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 no. No, 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 I'd do it, that I what you. All of a sudden, that's where that comes from, you know. Because it's people. That's what's so shocking about Paul's language to Philemon. When he says, I could order you, it's like, can, can he really do that? Can, you're looking around. I want to suggest to you that Paul is operating the spiritual authority exactly designed there in Hebrews 13. And I want to suggest to you it is one of the biggest areas of struggle and issue in the American church today, even the church around the world. The the loss of any sense of spiritual authority. because just like a family without any authority goes crazy. A nation or a government without any authority goes crazy. A church, the church without healthy lines of godly spiritual authority goes crazy. And that's one of the things we see happening all over as we look at the problems facing the church in America. I think Paul illustrates three very powerful principles of spiritual authority that will serve us well. Number one, spiritual authority is in the hands of the one under authority. Very important. Spiritual authority is in the hands of the one who is under authority. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense. I thought authority was over. No. Spiritual authority is in the hands of the one who's under authority. In other words, you hold the key, and you submit yourself to someone, and you give them the key called authority in your life. It is a voluntary thing. By the way, this is true of every authority. Yeah, okay, that's kind of the trick. All authority is voluntary because we have a free will, right? God gave us free will. I can look at the government and say, "I do it. I won't. You're not the boss of me." And you know, I really can. I'm not paying your stupid taxes. I'm not obeying your laws. I drive the way I want to drive. You know, I can do whatever I want, right? I have a free will. And then the government will use their sword, their handcuffs, tasers, whatever else they need to. And they will. You know, I'll be the guy at Walmart. You know, And then I'm in prison going, yeah, I did what I want. And in about an hour, I'm going to go out in the yard. It'll be nice. You know? <laughs> You're free. You do have a free will. You do not have to submit to authority, but you have to be ready for the consequences. Always has consequences. Here's the beauty. I don't even have to submit to God. He gave me a free will. I can reject God, can't I? But that has some very severe consequences when I reject that authority. And we understand that as followers of Jesus Christ. Well, in the same way in the context of spiritual authority, in the context of the church. We hold the keys, and we give that to those who God places us under. Submission to the Lord by submitting yourself to a fellowship and the authority of its leaders is a key to spiritual authority. And my question for us this morning for you is, who have you submitted yourself to? Who have you submitted yourself recognizing them as God's authority for you? In other words, they carry God's authority when they speak to you in spiritual authority. I remember when we first, our fellowship was just started out just a little small group in in Lori's and my home. And we decided that God, we prayed about it and we felt God wanted us to connect with a group called the Missionary Church. That's our fellowship of churches. We're a part of it. It's been a great relationship. Um, and so none of us had grown up missionary church, but we felt like God drew us I so met them through some relationships with Youth for Christ and we became a part. And I remember when we went through some training, some some just church planning, training, and some of those things. And there were some things that I was asked to do that I just, they were a stretch for me. I'd been raised in a little different spiritual climate, a little different culture, and, and it just was like, oh, I don't know, that doesn't seem like something God would have me do. It wasn't illegal, immoral, or unbiblical in any way. It was just different. And so I was praying about it. Lord, what do you think? And the key question, Lord said, so the key question for you is, did I place you as part of that group? Did I put you there? Well, yes, I know that. I had no doubt. Then submit and do it and see what I do. The question was not should I do this. The question was did God place you? And, and for me, the answer was yes, he did. And so it was like, okay. And I did that and I was greatly blessed by it. I'm not, and I, you know, I don't know what was the greater blessing, the things that happened because of it or just the idea of, okay, I need, I need that discipline of kind of coming under and saying, okay, I don't really do what I want, you know. That there are other people who there's accountability. There's I have to be. If God's going to have me have authority, I got to better be under authority, right? It helps you to know I'm under authority. Isn't that better? You know, we didn't want to be some independent church. We saw all the stuff that could happen with kind of large independent churches. And, and I'm not saying independent churches are bad. I'm just saying you, you kind of want someone. We wanted our finances to be subjected to, and some other leaders to be able to see. You know, because when you're all by yourself, you need someone to look at you and go, "Okay, that's getting weird. You, you should stop that." How many big, crazy things have happened in the Christian church that you're like, don't they have a friend? Couldn't somebody have said, that's wacky. Why are you doing that? That's, stop that. That's crazy. Right now, the authority that I'm under, and I am voluntarily submitted to this authority, but I mean, it's, it's a serious thing, is our eldership here. And I mean, I'm, I lead that group. I'm kind of lead elder, but around that table, we are all peers, and I have one vote like everybody else, and I am under the authority of that group. And I expect them. If I, you know, I'm just a person. Something crazy could happen in my life—some great difficulty or some great challenge—and all of a sudden, you see me start doing some crazy stuff. There needs to be some people with some authority in my life to be able to say, "Sean, that's crazy. Why are you doing that?" And they have the authority to actually do something about it. That's healthy accountability and authority. So that's where my authority is. I'm asking you, where's your authority? That you—they actually—it's—it's it's formal, it's spiritual authority. Because the big question is, has God planted you in the fellowship? And in that fellowship, we are supposed to hand those keys of authority to the spiritual leaders that he's planted us with. It's the principle of accountability. Someone representing God in his kingdom that you will receive leadership and direction from and recognizing them as God's authority in your life. It's the discipline of submission to Christian community. That's why I think one of the first things a person becomes a follower of Jesus, they should submit to Christian community. Leaders are the visible representation of God's authority to God's people.
1: And let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church. This series is called The Letter, and if you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermons page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to come check out River City Community Church, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
0: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And back to the message called Making Peace with Authority. This is Real Life Radio.
0: Second thing Paul models is resisting spiritual authority is resisting God's authority. Resisting spiritual authority is resisting God's authority. That's a very dangerous place to be when I am my own sole arbiter of truth. And that's really kind of how this whole thing works you know in this environment where where you know people go well my pastor's this one on the internet and i listen to this worship music that's my religious experience and i'm you you be the the appealing thing to our flesh with that kind of model is that you're the sole arbiter of truth in your life nobody can tell you because that internet pastor you listen to you know what he never does he never corrects you for something that you're doing and says gee that's kind of weird you should stop that no, but God told me, no, his word says this. You, that would be direct opposition. I don't think God told you that. Is it okay for someone to say that to you? Because, again, resisting spiritual authority is essentially resisting God's authority. That's what the word says. And we know when it comes to the word of God, most people in our nation don't consider this authoritative. John MacArthur put an article in the Christian Post in June 2014 And he talked about that, and he even talked about within the Christian church, 58% representing the majority of self-identifying Christians in America accept that the Bible is the actual Word of God. But they insist multiple interpretations are possible. Do you know what that means? That means it doesn't really have any authority other than what I interpret. And that's what Maxwell says. He says they believe the Bible is the Word of God, but it doesn't mean what it says. It's only authoritative as long as the reader is the final arbiter of what it actually means. All these debates in Scripture ultimately come down to the issue of authority. And the majority of professing Christians in America have rejected the objective authority of the inerrant word of God and have replaced it with the authority of self. That is a very dangerous thing. I just want to say, if you are not submitted to the authority of Christian community, you are not fully submitted to Christ. And you're going to ask the same question we asked about other leaders. Well, what if they're not perfect? Well, let's settle it. They aren't. They aren't. No such thing. But the idea is God is bigger than that and he will bless you more. He may eventually, and this is a very important idea, and I just, you know, I hope this never happens to any of you, but there may, you know, I'm assuming most of you, this is your church home, okay? That's why you're here. He may someday, we may be going a certain direction on something, and you just know God is saying, I have to go a different direction. That's not for me. That's not for me. There may come a day when he releases you, and I I want to challenge you with this, because I've been in this place. Where I was knew I was called. I was placed in a fellowship, and they were going in a direction that I just didn't feel right about, and I didn't feel I should be going. And I prayed about it, and God said, "No, I want you to stay." And I kept going, to, every, I, like every six months, I go, "God, are you still? Am I still a prisoner?" You know. <laughs> I mean, I felt a little bit like you know, I felt a little bit like you know, God, come on. And then ultimately, I felt okay. Now, now it's time. It's okay. And you may come to that point. I want to challenge you. You need to do that well. You need not sit and gossip about leaders and criticize them the whole way, kicking and screaming. That's rebelling against God's authority and has very serious consequences. Instead, you go to the leaders and say, thank you for this time. God's called me to go to another place, go to another thing. This is the family I'm going to become a part of. And you go and you stay under spiritual authority, but you release yourself from one and you go look for God's authority in your life. And that's how you do it. You don't have to burn the place down on the way out. You don't have to kick and scream. You don't have to, you know, represent horrible, ungodly behavior. You just recognize what God's saying, and you submit to him. Because the big question, remember the operative question is, has God placed you there? And if he has, not that you don't share your thoughts, not that you don't, you know, you'll ultimately rise in leadership, all kinds of things, but you ultimately follow the leadership that God's put in place. Leaders are the visible representation of God's authority to God's people. Last thing I'll wrap with this, spiritual authority should be the model of godly authority. And that's what's really important. Spiritual authority should be the model of godly authority. That's, how, that's where kind of the other shoe falls here. And there's, I look around this room, there's a lot of you who I know are in spiritual authority here at this church. Myself included. And this is an important lesson to us. Spiritual authority should be the model of godly authority. Remember what uh, the writer of Hebrews said, Hebrews 13, 17? They watch watch over your souls, and they will give an account. A little bit of a gulp factor. They will give an account. Two important keys to wielding spiritual authority in a godly way. The first one is, remember, authority is for the sole purpose of serving. Authority is for the purpose of service, for serving. Notice how gentle Paul is towards Philemon and how he cares about him, and he wants to see Philemon blessed and prosper. Paul's not using Philemon. Paul's not trying to dump Onesimus and force Philemon to take him. No, Paul cares about Philemon and Onesimus, and he is serving them by exercising authority. See, some people think servant leadership means the leader's going around and just kind of doing humble tasks for everybody. And I think leaders need to be willing to do humble tasks if that's what needs to be done. That being said, that's not what servant leadership means. Servant leadership means a leader leads for the purpose of serving people, not for serving self, because it's really easy to serve self through leadership. You, know, you can use leadership to kind of feather your own nest. and kind of. Servant leadership means I am leading to serve God's people for his purposes and for their blessing and for them to experience what God has for them. That's what a spiritual leader is doing. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 20, 25 to 28. Jesus called them, his disciples, to him, and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That doesn't mean there's no authority because both the Apostle Paul and Jesus actually exercised great authority. But they did it to serve, to serve God first and to serve God's purpose in the people they were serving. That's what's servant leadership. Do that and you'll do a pretty good job of representing God's authority in people's lives. Second thing is to have a real clear picture of your sphere of authority. I know, I know we're, we're getting real close and we've run over a few minutes, but please catch this. Because this little tip will totally be a, a blessing and encouragement to you. If you can get this idea of the sphere of authority, whose sphere of authority is it? oh, so many hassles and conflicts would would go away. You know, when I was working for that guy, God kind of woke me up and said, it's his sphere of authority. Just do it. He's not asking you to disobey me. It's not illegal, immoral. Just do it. Because it's his sphere of authority. You don't realize how much simpler it is when you understand whose sphere of authority is. Leaders understand, is it your sphere of authority? Do you know why so many Christians in America and so many of the churches are whacked when it comes to authority? It's because of a movement that happened in the 70s where people became real crazy, heavy, and authoritarian. I mean, leaders would go into like, people's houses, yeah, you don't need green carpet there, you need you know, blue carpet. You know, yeah, no, 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 you should have wood through this floor. That's what God wants for you. And be, oh, oh, I have to do it, my spiritual leader said so. Okay, what does a, was a spiritual leader know about the carpet or the wood? Not, not your sphere. Not your sphere. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that when a spiritual leader comes and speaks to a person about personal issues, like, for example, you're having a sexual relationship that is unbiblical, and you're committing adultery, and you need to stop. That is authoritative. That is the Word of God. And to the degree that you rebel against that, you are rebelling against God. It's that simple. So that doesn't mean a spiritual leader doesn't speak into someone's life. It just means spiritual leaders would go and say, okay, you should buy this car instead of that car. And I'm not talking about okay, you can't afford that, so don't go into crazy debt. You know, I'm, I'm talking about just saying, just kind of, and out of this imbalance over here, we, you know, how we are, we're never going to come to middle, so we swing to the imbalance that we have today, where there's like no authority, and that's every bit as harmful and damaging as the other was. Understanding spheres of authority is huge. We work in children's ministry here. Our children's minister, Jamie McGuire, and her team—they have a sphere of authority. They're under pastoral leadership, they're under my leadership and under the elders' leadership. So they're submitted to authority. But in their sphere of leadership, they have authority. And we let them do their job. We give them that authority. Worship teams under the leadership's authority. You know, the youth ministries under the youth ministry's authority. Understanding spheres of authority would save us so many hassles. And spiritual leaders, one of the things you need to do is understand you need to be about the purpose of serving and then understand your sphere of authority so that you protect from inappropriate control. Because inappropriate control is one of those things that so many of us have experienced, and it's why people recoil from the idea of authority. Inappropriate control is not godly. It is not of God. That's the sin nature, and I can't promise you'll never experience it because, you know, you throw a bunch of sinners in a box and see what happens. But spiritual authority should be the model of godly authority. So my question with you as I close is, how are you doing with authority? Are you in danger of getting arrested at Walmart? (laughs) Some of you, yes, I need to talk to someone. How are you doing with authority at work? How about in the family? How's your family doing in the context of authority? Healthy, biblical, God-honoring authority. How about here at church? Because I tell you, we get this right, everybody grows. Everything gets healthy. You can tell a healthy family. When you see a real healthy family, I promise you there's healthy authority there.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azzaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in a series called The Letter. But if you'd like to hear the full message and the series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But, of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road. See all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.